Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 114 of Growth Marketing Today. I'm your host, Ramley John. And this is it. This is the three-year anniversary episode of this podcast. I wanted to get somebody special. You might not have heard of him, but actually, when I talked to him, this is one of the longest episodes I've had in a while. This is Sam O. He is the Director of Product Education at Ahrefs. And one of the, the channels I've been really, really interested about in the next few years is YouTube. It is one of the biggest, actually, it is the second biggest search engine out there. You might have heard of it, YouTube. Most business YouTube channels suck. They are lame and they have very few subscribers and even Fewer views per videos. Ahrefs is not one of them. They've doubled down and grew their channel to over 160,000 subscribers and counting. And they have millions of views on their episode. So in this episode, I have Sam O. Like I said, he's the director of product education, but he also heads up video at Ahrefs. He shares their exact video marketing strategies from topic selection, production process, and content distribution this is going to be a meaty episode. In episode 114, you'll learn first why you should care about YouTube as a marketing channel in 2020 and beyond. Second, Ahrefs video marketing process from brainstorming topics, filming, editing, and publishing the whole Kahoot. And third, how Ahrefs distribute their videos. Now, before we jump in, I want to remind you to download my free growth cheat sheet. This week, it's not going to be one page. It's actually going to be a two-page cheat sheet with all the actual tips from this episode because it's so good. That's how much notes I'm I'm actually taking all the tips from this episode, applying it to the business that I'm working with, trying to grow the YouTube channel and really apply it to accelerate the growth. You can do the same. Why take notes about this episode and YouTube from Sam O. You can just steal my notes. Go to growtoday.fm forward slash 114 to get it now. You can also find this link in the description of the show. Now get it. I am not keeping this up forever. I actually take it away after I publish the next episode. So essentially you got seven days since I published this episode. Get it now before it's gone. <laughs> I also want to thank those who made this episode possible. Now these folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts like Sam on the show and publish it for free and for you to enjoy. Thanks to 42 Agency. 42 Agency works with high growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue and marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. To learn more and get $500 in free consulting time, visit them at growtoday.fm forward slash four two. That's number four two or find the link in the description. Enough about me. Let's jump in my chat with Sam. Hey, everybody. I am excited to chat with Sam. He works at Ahrefs and he's we're going to be talking all about YouTube SEO and video. Their business, the Ahrefs YouTube channel has over 160,000 subscribers now and they their, their highest uh, viewed video has over 763,000 views, which is a lot more than a lot of YouTubers I follow, which is absolutely nuts because a lot of business YouTube channels is boring and gets five followers, their mom, their dad, their kids, and that's it, right? So how's it going, Sam? How are things with you? Things are great. Thanks for having me. I'm on. excited to have a Torontonian uh, on the podcast. I, I don't have that many yes. uh, from Toronto on the show. So cool. 
I want to before we get started. I love asking, uh, warming up the the guests first. One of the things you said you love doing is golf. Uh, it's something that I'm curious about trying. But you've probably played in a lot of golf courses. Which one is your absolute favorite that golfers have to check out? Uh, it was on my honeymoon. Oh. Actually, my my dear wife let me play uh, Kapalua, the plantation course in Maui, and uh, it's like the most beautiful course. One side is ocean the other side is mountains and yeah it was great until the gale force winds came and i, I couldn't even stand while putting but uh, cool. yeah like it was all romantic cool. and stuff in the beginning and then after it just turned into <laughs> literally a windstorm so that was that was this, great does she play like you both play together or you just you did yourself no so she doesn't play oh. at all and she was just like i told her i was like hey this is where the pga tour they have their opener like i'd love to play here <laughs> while we're here like, what do you think? And she's just like, hey, like, if you want to do it, I support that. And I was like, cool. And so she just rode the cart with me. It's funny. Two years ago for my honeymoon with Joanna, we we went to Maui too. So we we, we went to um, the waterfall. I forgot which one. The Halakela mountain spot where like that's where... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He, that's super dope. Absolutely would love to move to Maui or to Hawaii. Is that something you would love to do or just like... To, to Farnix. The, the bread was so expensive. I'm not sure if you bought any food there in Hawaii. Uh, well, it was it was pricier. Uh, but like we found some of the local stuff that was pretty good. Um, I don't know if I'd move there. Um, it's just yeah, like, I, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'd move there. And like basically at the end of our honeymoon, uh, the day we're driving back to our uh, to the airport, Somebody siphoned our gas. What the heck? And so, yeah. <laughs> crazy. So we had like over half a tank before because I was like, oh, I got to pump it back before I take it back to the rental car place. And then we went and it was below empty. And I was like, what happened? And then, yeah. Shoot. But that, that's a story for another day. Yeah, that's got to be a story for another day, dude. But that's really, really interesting. Let's jump into talking about video. Uh, I mentioned the stats that Ahrefs uh, YouTube channel has 160,000 uh, subscribers. The most viewed video is 763,000 views. What did it look like before you got there? I'm, I'm curious, like, what was the landscape of the, the video for Ahrefs before you completely transformed how they did stuff and kind of accelerated the growth for their channel? Yeah, so... Tim, uh, he joined, I think, five years ago. Uh, and he was basically, as far as I understand, a one-man marketing team for a while. And he started hiring people. And you know, I guess he had the idea at some point, I think maybe five or six years, five years ago, maybe, to start a YouTube series. And that did okay during the time. And the thing is that he was involved in so many different things that it's tough to keep up with everything. And so... Over time, that channel grew to around twelve to thirteen thousand subscribers, uh, up until the point that I had joined, and it was getting <clears throat> the channel was getting around fourteen thousand views per month. And so uh, now we're at a place where we get over fourteen thousand views per day, um, with our best month at over uh, half a million. I think it was like five hundred sixty thousand. Damn. That's that's crazy. It's absolutely crazy how we're gonna get to, to how you got to now. But one of the questions I get all the time is, "Hey, Ramley, hey Sam, why why should I care about YouTube? You know, maybe they're like they think YouTube is just where the millennials go to check out YouTubers about makeup and how, how to cook stuff. But for businesses, 
why should it be something that they need to be aware of and maybe even thinking about um, creating that as a, a channel for their marketing? Yeah, so I feel like uh, video is a is a completely different channel because it combines the auditory and the visual. So it's you can create a different experience for people who are watching or consuming your content uh, as opposed to uh, as opposed to blog posts. And I'm not saying that video is better than blog posts by any means, uh, but for us, like be, because we're in SaaS and businesses are really just created to solve problems. Uh, I'm able to organically show how to solve these problems, like how to do keyword research. And then I'll show you how to do keyword research. And naturally, I'll be using Ahrefs tools. And even if I wasn't working for Ahrefs and I was doing something like this, I'd still be using Ahrefs tools. So it just comes off really organically. Um, But yeah, and then naturally, it attracts audiences that we wouldn't have reached otherwise. And it also helps our existing audience to hopefully retain them and to educate them on how to use our tools so they can get the most out of it. That totally makes sense. And I also feel like it kind of humanizes the brand a little bit. Like I feel like with blogs, you can read it and you can just read it. But, but with with video, like I watched a lot of HR's videos and seeing you and Tim, Tim has his, his vlog, his SaaS marketing vlog and the other folks on HRFs. It does it does humanize HRFs as a, as a human brand versus just like this... Uh, juggernaut, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I feel like it's good, especially today where brands kind of are starting to have more of a personal feel or a face or faces to a brand. And I feel like exactly what you said, it humanizes the brand. Uh, And at the same time, it just provides a great learning experience. And yeah. So for us, like we're we're doubling down on video at this Mm -hmm. point. I'm in... I'm curious that you don't you don't have to say specific stats, but how what has doubling down on YouTube and video brought uh, brought to you know I'm I'm guessing it's it's at the end of the day bring traffic and also to bring new subscribe uh, customers to Ahrefs. But do you have any data on like how much is YouTube your number the second second source of traffic now uh, with with Google at number one or like how does that work? How is video helping your business at Ahrefs? Uh, I can't say in terms of traffic source. Um, we don't even use Google Analytics. Oh, yeah, you're right. So, Tim said that. I saw that on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah, so we don't even use Google Analytics. So it's tough to say. Like, I have YouTube Analytics. So I can tell you that like on a bad month, we'll have 300,000 views, <laughs> uh, which is like pretty decent or maybe 298,000. Um, that's if I don't publish for the entire month. Uh, but our blog, I think we're getting around 700,000 visits from search. So from Google. Um, so yeah, it's tough to say, but like what we see in, we have a, a Slack channel called registrations and we kind of can see people are asked the question, like, where did you hear about Ahrefs? And from what I've seen, uh, since we started YouTube and since we started actually asking that question, like it literally just goes up. So maybe not every month, but I guess every quarter we're seeing more and more people, uh, join because they discovered us on YouTube, mm. not necessarily through me, but through other people and just shows you going back to that other question, like why businesses should focus on YouTube is because customers are there. Yeah, that totally makes sense. In terms of what kind of businesses should be considering YouTube, is it video, YouTube and video? Should it be any type of businesses or would you suggest that only certain types of businesses would, would be, would be help, would find value in, in video? Like I want to say every yeah. business, but at the same time, I don't think that's true. Like, or okay, sorry, I can't say that it's not true, but it's I can't say that I know how I would grow every type of business on YouTube. 
but for SaaS in particular, like I can speak for that because mm. it's working. Like it's it's yeah, we're doing well. Um, and even for uh, like an, even an e-commerce store, you know, they could review products uh, and yeah, and get visibility there. Have links to their product pages or whatever. And yeah, like there's so many different ways you can do it. Agencies can be posting case mm. studies. Like there's a lot of things that you can do really. And it's just about attracting the right audience that you want to. So it's not necessarily about the number of subscribers, yeah. the number of views, but are those views and subscribers, are they relevant? Mm. So for us, because we include pretty much Ahrefs in almost all of our videos, uh, and there's a lot of people watching it, then we have a lot of relevant views. Like if we went into the whole like, um, how to make a million dollars tomorrow or something like that, you know, I'm sure we could get more views, but that's not really the audience we want to attract. I like that. That totally makes sense. I want to break down now exactly what you and your team did to get to where you're at with this amazing success with YouTube. Let's, I'm going to break it down. The first thing I want to ask about is topics. Like, how did you come up? How do you come up with topics? I've heard other companies, they, what they do is they find the most popular blog posts and turn it into a video. I'm sure you can also maybe talk about a YouTube SEO and keyword research, but how do you, you and your team come up with topics for each uh, YouTube channel? Yeah, so it was very different from or it was very different from when I started to today. So let's talk about when I started when we had around twelve to thirteen thousand people. Like basically, our only audience were uh, people who knew about Ahrefs, uh, and they might happen to come across us, click on us because they recognize us, and watch a video. Uh, but now, basically, we started with these product videos, these short product videos, and again, we are just hitting the same audience over and over and over again, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But then we expanded to search uh, like SEO uh, in June 2018, I think. And that's when we actually started ranking that video SEO for beginners. Uh, and we were ranking number one and number two, like jumping back and forth for a while for like the query SEO. And we still rank for search engine optimization and Google SEO and all that stuff. Anyway, uh, so the way that I started with that uh, even was originally, I think I started looking at... YouTube analytics and like it shows you uh, the keywords that you rank for the people that watched it and the number of impressions or not the impressions they show you the number of views and so I had an idea of what search volume was like and so I'd throw that into Google Trends and then I'd compare different keywords with it to get a gauge of like because Google Trends is all relative search volume right and then I would just Kind of see like, is it worth going after? Like, how long will it take? Is this relevant to our audience? Et cetera, et cetera. And then we released uh, in our keyword research tool, we released YouTube data. So, yeah. And so I figured, okay, well, you know, if we're going to release this, then like I might as well use it and see if it's any good. And so I used that. And then that's a big part of when our, uh, our keyword targeting, uh, like we started to rank um, our search traffic literally just went straight up. Um, so yeah, it's just typical keyword research. Right. And uh, I use two of our other tools, Site Explorer, mm. uh, which shows like backlinks and search traffic data. And so you can just type in youtube.com and then go to the organic keywords report. And so you can see all the keywords that YouTube is ranking for in Google. And then I would just search for a keyword related to what we do. So I'd search for like SEO or keyword research, or link building or whatever. And then if Google or if YouTube is ranking, then now it's just a matter of outranking those other people that are, are ranking there. So that was, that was pretty straightforward. Same with Content Explorer. You can actually find um, YouTube videos in there uh, doing 
something similar with, with search operations stuff. I have videos on that stuff, but yeah, I won't get into that because it probably wouldn't make sense for people who aren't familiar with Ahrefs. <laughs> uh, and yes, and so that was then. This is when we were just pure search. Um, and now because we have an existing audience, it's a lot easier. Now I can actually start creating content on topics that I think will be interesting because now we're, it, it's easier to uh, have you to promote our videos to similar people that watch our videos. So it expands our audience. Like let's say you're subscribed to our channel and you get a notification, you watch it or you see it on your homepage, you watch it, you watch for a long time and so do many others. Uh, then YouTube will start promoting that video to other people who are similar to your profile based on the data they have on you. And so, uh, yeah. So like basically that's usually off of like the topics that I choose are either A, something that I think people will find is interesting or B, the competitors, like vidIQ shows competitors mm. uh, a metric called uh, view per, views per hour. And so oftentimes I'll look at what our competitors have posted, what videos are, are gaining traction for them. And then I'll build off of that topic if I think I can outdo mm. I've used vidIQ before. Do you have the, the paid stuff? Like maybe for the listeners, can you ex- yeah. explain what vidIQ is? I, I've used it, so I know what it is. But like for other people, what is, what is vidIQ and... Uh, do, you, do you have the paid version of that tool? Yeah, we have the paid version. I, I'm not sure exactly how to put it because I don't use a lot of the features, but it's I guess it's a video intelligence mm. tool. Um, maybe they'll disagree with me, <laughs> but yeah, basically like the only features that I really use in vidIQ is the views per hour uh, to see. So basically, if you go to a competitor's channel and then you click on uh, like top videos, I don't know what the, it says exactly, then it'll show you the top videos that are getting the most views per hour. And so if they're getting a lot of views per hour, <laughs> and if that video is older, so like usually in the beginning, the first 24 to 48 hours up to two to three weeks, videos can trend and get a lot of views. Mm. But if that video is three months old, six months old, 12 months old, and it's still getting like 200 views per hour, then I'm going to try and reverse engineer what they've done and then try to do that for ourselves. And so it has worked and it has not worked. Interesting. So. That totally makes sense. I want to shift now. You have the topic. What do you do with the flow? I know some people, I, I for myself, I, I like scripting out my videos. I have a mini teleprompter that I read, read off and make sure that I don't stare at, scroll my eyes so that it looks like I'm reading a teleprompter. Other people just wing it. What does the flow look like now once you have the topic at Ahrefs? Yeah, so I, I definitely script the videos. Um and when I'm writing the scripts, I literally read it out loud mm. as I'm doing it. So it sounds natural, like I'm actually speaking to uh, not necessarily a friend, but maybe a colleague or, you know, someone that's like, like it, the talk is real, but it's not like, it's not like it doesn't include things that I would say to personal friends, I guess. Uh, and then... Yeah, so I'll, I'll write that out. I'll go through my own editing process and I'm just looking to cut out as much as possible. Uh, usually my first drafts will be maybe like 20% longer mm. than the final one will be. And so I'm basically cutting out anything that the 1%, that only 1% of the audience would care about mm. because we don't want people to drop off in the videos. Mm. So sometimes that's, yeah, leaving out minor details. And then Josh, uh, who runs the blog at Ahrefs, will review my work. Mm. And, uh, and then he'll leave his comments. We'll kind of argue back and forth in, in Google Talks. And like, we just have like a very, very like honest, transparent process where like we don't hold back. And it's up to the creator to 
uh, I guess, either defend themselves if they care enough, or they'll just change it, or they won't change it. So, and then we'll go through that process, then I'll record, and then we'll go through our whole uh, editing process, which includes actually technically four other people, including like YouTube descriptions and uh, closed captions and things like that. But in terms of like the actual video creation, uh, it's three of us, myself, uh, our main video editor, and then we have a producer. Mm. I want to uh, ask a follow-up question to the script. You said 20%. You, you, you usually make it, make sure you cut it off as much as you can. So it's interesting. How long should, it, how long are your scripts? Like, and you're probably, t- you now have an idea of like, if you have a thousand words, it's going to take you this much to, to film. But I'm curious in general, like what is the length of your, of your scripts in terms of words? Yeah. So like, I, like, I usually don't even look at word count until I'm done the script. So I don't have like a target word count or a target duration uh, usually. And so um, for me, 185 words, I, I speak 185 words per minute on video. <laughs> you know that. That's interesting. And so, yeah, so I'll take the word count divided by 185 yeah. and then it's the approximate mm. amount, like, duration of, uh, of the video. But uh, usually like depending on the topic, like... If the topic was free keyword research tools, I would think it's around six to ten minutes. Uh, I actually wrote a free SEO tools script, which like we'll be releasing later on, and that original draft came out to like twenty five hundred words, uh, which is like thirteen fourteen minutes, and I've cut it down now to around eight minutes. Mm. So just to show you, like, like depending on the script, we can cut it down quite significantly. And um, if I question like, do you think people will care about this? Then I'll leave a comment for Josh and he'll either say yes or no. So if he agrees with me, then... Or if he says yes, then I'll usually leave it in. If he says no, then I'm like, okay, then that's confirmation that I should probably cut mm, it. So it's, it's, a good, it's a good process that we have. And so yeah, like to answer your question, no particular word count um, that we aim for, but we usually won't release videos that are going to be less than five minutes. Mm. It's just, you kind of know like that, like we could create a free SEO tools video in one minute and just say the free SEO tools are A, B, C, D, and E. And then that's the end of it, but then there's no value Mm. in that. So yeah, we try and provide as much value as possible in as short a time as possible. And and does it have something to do with the algorithm? I've heard from, I said said earlier, I watch a lot of YouTubes, but YouTubers say ideal time is seven, you know, six to 15 minutes so that YouTube can insert an ad in there, and they they like it because they're making money, and you're you're making money if you had ads turned on. Is that something? Is that involved too as well for knowing the algorithm does like a little bit longer videos than a one minute video? I think this is like a chicken or the yeah. egg kind of question <laughs> because naturally, like like let's say you create a ten minute video, and if somebody watches ten minutes of it, then they've watched one hundred percent of the video. But let's say you create a video that's one hundred minutes and somebody watches 10 minutes of it, it's the same amount of watch time, but now we're looking at 10%, right? So there's audience retention as well. And so it's tough to say in terms of the ads, we don't even use ads because we feel like it worsens the experience and we're not looking to to make our revenue through ads, but through people actually coming and purchasing or keeping our tool. So yeah, it's tough to say. Like, it's kind of like the same uh, thing where people say, like, "Oh, like your blog post needs to be two thousand words in order to rank number one." Like, I don't believe that's true, and I don't believe that's the truth for YouTube either. Like, I've seen six-minute videos outrank twenty-minute videos on the same topic, um, 
Yeah, but there's another metric called session watch time where basically like how long can you keep a viewer on the YouTube platform? So let's say you had a course where your video was six minutes long. Somebody watches that full video, but then they keep binge watching the next, 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 next course, <laughs> uh... the next video in the course. Then now they're staying on for a really long time. So YouTube's probably going to give uh, some kind of waiting to that six minute video because that's what's starting the session and it's resulting in consistent long session watch times. So yeah, like the best way to think about YouTube is really like, I, I always think about YouTube like Netflix. Mm. Like when you watch Netflix, if you start a TV series, it's so easy to get lost in that time and watch, you know, seven, eight episodes and then realize that you wasted a whole bunch of time. <laughs> but uh, with YouTube, if you're able to create a similar experience to what Netflix is trying to do, what all these video platforms are trying to do, then you will succeed. Mm, that totally makes sense. That, that, uh, the follow-up question to that is, you started already talking about metrics that you care about to see uh, the success of a video. You talked about retention. You talked about uh, session watch time. Are, what are metrics that you and your team are looking at to say, hey, we launched, we released this video, it performed well versus this other video didn't perform as well? Yeah, so I think there, like, if we split this up into like kind of like the macro metrics and then kind of the more micro metrics. So with the macro metrics, I'm looking at the overall trend of our views uh, and like views for us, like none of them really result in really poor retention. They're all pretty decent, and so the natural trend of our traffic sources. So if I look at search, yes, it's still going up and to the right. Uh, if I look at suggested, yes, it's going up and to the right. Um, if I look at another metric and it's going down and to the right, then I need to start questioning what's going on, what caused this, and then I'll start digging into the more micro metrics. So I'll start looking at uh, on a video by video basis, audience retention. Um, so I'm not necessarily looking at the actual percentage because yes, like a 20 minute video usually results in a lower audience retention for us at least. Um, but I'm looking at the graph for the first 10 seconds, uh, are people staying on or are they literally just like dropping down and they're skipping to three minutes through because my intro is way too long. Um, I also look for these little bumps in the graph. So if you start to see bumps in your audience retention graph, what that means is that people are rewinding and actually oh, rewatching that part again. And it's not just one person. It's a consistency of a lot of people doing that. And so some YouTubers call that uh, true bumps of engagement. And so I like to look for those and then I go back and I analyze, okay, well, what was on the screen at this time? What was I saying? And then I'll try and reuse those parts uh, again where I can. Those are some really interesting... I never heard of that through bumps of engagement. That's the first time I heard that. That's really fascinating. One question. So you talked about that 10 second. Why is that first 10 second important? It, I don't know if it's an algorithm thing for YouTube or it's mainly like because... You know, you you do want them to start off that long session uh, watch time. So, why 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 the first ten seconds? Why not three or thirty? Uh, the first ten seconds is usually telling of uh, whether people are like it, it tells a little bit about your title matching the content of your video because at least in the first ten seconds of our video, I'll usually tell you what the video is about. And so, if people are dropping off, um, then maybe my title is misleading. We try not to mislead our, our titles by any means. Uh, also, it just kind of sets the tone for the video. Like sometimes you watch an, like an engaging intro, you might smile, you might laugh, you might be like, "Oh, that sounds really cool." But then you'll just sit back and you'll literally just watch. Whereas like other times, you'll be forward and you'll be like, "Click, click, click!" Like 
oh, not finding what I need. So, you know, what's going on at that point? And so, yeah, it's like everything is just like educated guesses. Like there's no, and you can't generalize one experience for all viewers. Mm. So it's tough. And it's sometimes you see a pattern and then you'll just start learning from that. And you're like, oh man, like, okay, nobody cares about my life. So I'm not going to talk about it. So I'll just skip over that. And like, I'll never share about my life again. And so, you know, there are times where like one time I created a a vlog of going to Singapore and it was our worst video ever. (laughs) Like literally the worst video. It's the only video on our entire channel that resulted in negative subscribers. And so I was like, man, I'm bad. I'm bad at this vlogging stuff. So there's no point in doing it. So I won't do it because people come to our channel for tutorials. So why are we posting vlogs? It doesn't make sense for us. And so, yeah, like there's just, yeah, there's a lot of things to look at. Um, Usually I like to look at topics that did well. Mm. So if you see like one of our videos was how to increase domain rating. And I think the title said something like why you shouldn't care. Um, But that video just exploded mm. because it, it and it tells us a lot about the audience because people who want to increase domain rating um, are probably more on the beginner uh, working up to the intermediate level SEO, whereas advanced SEOs, uh, they don't care about increasing DR. Like, that's not the focus. And that's actually what the video says is that shouldn't be your focus. Right. Um, but then you start to see things like that. So you'll see that a lot of our videos say for beginners... Mm. So we have SEO for beginners. We have link building for beginners. We have keyword research for a new website. So it's targeting that audience that's there. So you know we start to look at these different patterns and trends uh, that are happening. And, and then you build off of them. You try different things and you see what works, see what doesn't. And yeah, like it, it's tough to predict really. Like sometimes I feel like I've figured it out and then I, I publish something and it's the second worst video next to my vlog. So <laughs> yeah. That's funny. When we come back in just a moment, Sam shares the keys to creating better videos. And boy, the videos at Ahrefs are amazing. Just a quick thanks to our sponsor for this episode, 42 Agency. A 42 Agency works with high growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. They've worked with some amazing companies like OnFleet, HubDoc, GuestLogic, Flexity, and more. And to top it off, I actually know the founder of 42 Agency, Camille Rexton, and he knows his stuff. So go reach out to him. You can He's actually offering a free $500 consulting time for Growth Today listeners. You can visit them at growthtoday.fm forward slash 42 or find the link in the description. It'll redirect to their this special offer. One more thing, don't forget to download the free growth cheat sheet for this episode. It has all the actionable tips from this episode so in a one-page PDF, why take notes when you can just steal mine? You can take all the actionable tips from this episode and apply it to your business to accelerate the growth even faster. You can find the link in the description of this show. Download it now before I take it away because it'll only be up until next week. Enough about this. Let's jump back in my chat with Sam. I love how you put it that titles kind of give you an expectation of what the video is going to be. So it's going to impact the first 10 seconds of the view. Do you have any tips for for titles that will work? Like, well, first of all, you don't want to trick people. You said that already, but any other tips? Like, I love the one that you said. You should why you shouldn't care about this. It's like you're challenging a, a current assumption, so that you're kind of in, 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 intrigued by that. Essentially, yeah. So I, I I feel like in terms of titles, 
we hold back quite a bit from what we might want to do as marketers because like another metric that I look at closely actually is CTR mm, at the video level. Yeah. So at the per video level, uh, it's it's a pretty big deal. So like that DR one had an over 10% CTR, which was pretty high. And then other videos have like a 4% CTR. So why is it low? So sometimes that's just more telling about the audience and the video wasn't a good fit for the existing audience. Um, so you have to read into it a little bit differently. But for titles, like generally speaking at Ahrefs, we tried to keep our, our marketing very no hype and like just very honest. So like I don't think you'll ever go to our YouTube channel or our blog and read a clickbait headline because that's not what we do. So um, yes, it probably decreases CTR. But I think we've also built a reputation of... Uh, of just honest, more honest marketing, I guess, hype-free marketing. So it's hard for me to give suggestions. Um, but yeah, just something to look at or like that I focus on because we won't do clickbait titles uh, is to create a, a thumbnail that is uh, complementary to the title. And that is sometimes tough, but it, it's something that we're working on. So like, for example, we published a case study uh, where we ran Google ads to see how many links we could get to that page. And I think thumbnail said something like $1,245 in ad spend equals question mark backlinks. Um, and then the title was something like... Yeah, I can't remember what it was. Link building with Google ads or something like that. And so, yeah, it was very honest. Like There was no deception to it. But it still drove curiosity. Like How many backlinks did they actually get for $1,200? So yeah, it, it's tough. But yeah, if you can create that compliment, that works really well. Uh, and that video performed particularly well. Interesting. Too. Yeah, that's the other thing that I've heard from YouTubers is that some of them have spent like a whole week just... Their videos done, they're spending a whole week just thinking about the thumbnail because they know that click-through rate is super important. What are some of your tips for for those that thumbnail image so that, so that, that does... You know, insp- create curiosity and people click through to watch the video. Yeah, it's tough. Like with our thumbnail, I should probably spend more time on it, but I, I have my my hands in a lot of different things. That sometimes, if I just can't think of it, I'll you'll see me there just smiling, and there's a title. But like, I I, I don't like those videos. But um, usually, I like to to get a little bit creative with them. Like one on affiliate marketing. We have really great designers too. So there's an affiliate marketing for beginners video. There's that theme again for beginners. And uh, there's a picture of, I think, an iPhone, a big iPhone or something, or a big phone. And I'm crouching there, like putting out my arms to hug something. And then there's Amazon coins that are running towards me. Um, and so it's like, we try to do things like that. But I also realized that overcomplicating it like that also results in low CTR. So... Um, yeah, we basically just try to use an image. So it'll be an image of me and then something that describes the title well. So, and there's also familiarity. So if you see like me holding a, a SERP, like a Google search engine results page, and you, you'll recognize that, you might say, Oh, what's on that thing? So you might look a little bit closer and then you realize, then you'll actually take time to read the text that's on that thumbnail. So it's really like a, like a, I, I kind of try and envision like what would people do if they saw this, and then does like what and then would they read the title after? Would they write it read it before? What happens if they read the title first and then look at the thumbnail? What happens if they look at the thumbnail first and then read the title? Will they click? And so like it's really just like scenarios that I put myself in 
And if I want the video to do well, then usually we'll come up with uh, like well thought out thumbnails. You talked a little bit about like your your face. I see a lot of YouTubers they have like the shock face, like 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 the mouth open or they're like pointing at yeah. something that that does seem to work as well with uh, with thumbnails. Uh, I I, I kind of got ahead of myself. We, we were talking about the script. Um, I'm, I want to take a step back and talk about your filming and editing process. So let's talk about filming. I, I hate this question as much as probably other YouTubers or other people with video. What equipment do you use? And you know, should equipment be the stopping people, the thing that stops people from actually creating videos? Yeah. So the, the equipment that I use is it's like pro grade equipment now. But when I started. Uh, I started with an $80 camera. Uh, and this is before like iPhones and like Android devices had great cameras. Uh, so right now I'm using a 5D Mark IV. Uh, and then that's made by Canon. And then I have three lights, uh, a teleprompter. What you see behind me, at least I don't know if this is on YouTube, but what you see behind me is uh, photo paper. And uh, usually I have a light that's shining behind me there. Uh, I use the Zoom H4n. And I have a Sennheiser. Uh, it's a lav mic, the AVX uh, MK MKE2, I think it is. Uh, and then I also have a shotgun mic. And I usually, or I used to record two tracks, but because I have like the room that I'm in right now, Echoes, and so it's it's a little bit tricky. And that's why I had to get the MKE2, the AVX one. And I think that was like it's an expensive mic. It's like fifteen hundred dollars or something, and for a lav mic, right? But um, yeah, like at the end of the day, it's like if I were to invest in equipment, then I would invest in audio more than I would video. Very honestly, just like I hate listening to bad audio. I don't know if you feel the same way, but I don't mind bad video. Like as long as it's not super bad. But like if you have an iPhone 6, right, which is like how many years old now, that's a good enough job to do a video recording. So to answer your question, no, it shouldn't hold you back. But focus on the audio, like get some kind of audio device that's going to make the quality of your voice sound better than um, than focusing on getting a super crisp video like that. That's secondary, and it all comes down to content. Like how good mm, is your content? That's good advice. Do you have any tips for cheap uh, cheap audio thing? I I know you can buy like a lapel mic and attach it to your iPhone. It's twenty bucks. But do you have any suggestions for like for people interested in video? How can they like level up their audio of the video? Uh, yeah, it's, it's tough. Like if you get one of those zoom devices, there's a zoom, it's a small recording device. I don't know which model it is. Um, I have the H4 and you have the H5 and you said, so those, even if you just used that to record your voice, uh, I think that's what, like 150 to two, $300. I don't know exactly. Um, <clears throat> the shotgun mic that I have actually, no, but with a shotgun mic, you have to get a, an audio interface as well. Uh, but yeah, like the $20 laugh mics connects to the iPhone. They sound really muffled. And so I, I, I'm not a fan of them. But if you are going to invest in audio, if you are using a DSLR, then Rode, the Rode VideoMic Pro, which is what a lot of vloggers use, I think that was like $180 or $200. Um, I, I bought one of them for, for that vlog. We keep coming back to that horrible <laughs> vlog. I bought it one for that. But you know, the quality of the audio is decent. The video just But yeah, anyway... Um, you can connect that to pretty much any DSLR that was made at, like after 2010. So yeah, 
I just love, I just want to reiterate what you said. It shouldn't be the, the equipment that stopping people from doing video. They really need to focus on the content. And the other piece I think is really critical is the editing because where the editing is like, it can become a really long, boring video and your retention drop off is really high. I'm curious. You talked a little bit about this already about your editing, but what does the, the post production process looks like once you've scripted it and you filmed it? What happens? What happens next at HRFs? Yeah, so depending on the on the complexities of the video, like our our producer is not um, like he has some general SEO knowledge, but uh, if I start doing things in like like with tools that he's not familiar with, then I'll usually record it myself. So I'll usually so after I record the raw film uh, or the the video, it's about double the length of the final video, and I'll just cut them in Adobe Premiere, um, and then I'll just cut it to a smooth flowing video. Then I'll record the screencast over the entire video. And then I'll start cutting the different parts of the screencast where it makes more sense to have a talking head. And then we'll go through it one more time and we'll see, okay, well, where can we actually fit in some text or some animations? Like what would create a better learning environment for the person? And then so we'll start putting in like just these color mats in Premiere Pro. It's just like a black screen for our animator to get to later. And then now we have like, if you look at I wish I could show you, but if you look at the video now, there's like there's five tracks along the video, and you have a general idea as to like, is there too much talking head here? Is there just too much screencast? Is it going to be boring? Like, are people going to drop off because it's boring? If they are, then we got to figure something out and fill it in with B roll or something like that. So we'll go through the whole video and we'll literally mark it by the frame for our animator, like exactly what we want him to do. So we want this part to pop out literally at this exact frame. Uh, we want a transition here. We want this here, this here, this here, this here. And we'll have hundreds and hundreds of markers every for every single video. And then we'll go through a revision process. So we'll review the video. We'll see if there were any issues that came up during um, the editing process. And then we'll have those fixed. If something just doesn't seem right, then we'll take it out. Uh, we'll add in sound effects here and there uh, where necessary. And we'll just kind of go through that process. So assuming that I'm not involved in it after recording, the producer handles all the cutting, the screencasts, and the marking. And then he'll pass that off to the animator, the, the, our main editor. And he'll basically, like, he'll work like a robot. Like, he'll go through every single marker and just do exactly what the marker says. And then, or like, and if he thinks it looks bad, he'll make his own changes on the fly. And then our producer will review it. Um, animator will do the edits. Then I'll review it for the final time. We'll make any edits if needed. And then we'll publish. Mm. To, to follow a question to that, I know uh, I know for some people they're like just very beginner at video. And what is what is a B roll? And you know if I I know what it is, but for p- listeners who might not know what a B roll or is it is there an A roll if there's a B roll? What is what is a B roll for listeners who are not familiar with video production? Uh, I don't know the exact definition, but the way that I look at B roll is basically anything that is not the main video. So for me, the main video is the talking head. So our screencasts are B-roll, our text screens are B-roll, our animations are B-roll, and sometimes we use stock footage. So stock footage is the most common B-roll that people use. Um, And then you can just get a subscription somewhere for that and download them royalty-free and whatever and use them in your videos. Makes sense. And second follow-up question, this is a very, you know, this whole process seems like it's a lot of work. Do you have any resources? Even maybe HRAFs has like a resource on like talking about the whole video post-production process. Like, do you have anywhere you can point them out? Even some YouTubers who, who you can point them to? 
Well, for our like our process was made just kind of on the fly, and we have a video on how we edit videos for YouTube. So like you can go search for Ahrefs on YouTube, and then you'll see the video there. Um, that was a time when we used to work a lot faster, or the videos were a lot faster. So uh, maybe tough to follow if you're not familiar with the with the software, but you'll see our exact process of how we edit our videos. Really fast. And all right, I will like that. That's a really good resource. This whole thing probably takes you quite some time. And I'm sure you've been doing this for some time now with HFs and probably other projects that you have. What are some things that you've done to like cut down that the time, the, the effort and also the time intensity to really do video? Because that's one... That's one uh, objection that I hear about video. It's like, oh, I can, it's going to take me weeks and, and even months to release a f- first video. Do you have any suggestions or any hacks or any tips for people to speed up the, the whole content, video content creation process? Yeah. So like, like you said, it's a process. And so for us, like when I first started, the editor did some stuff. Sometimes I just did the whole thing. And so, uh, Basically, because I was doing everything and learning everything kind of on the fly, uh, I created SOPs, which are standard operating procedures, uh, basically uh, as to like every single step for every single thing. So, like, I've documented everything in terms of like how are we marking and producing these things in Premiere. Uh, we also use a project management tool, a uh, kind of project management tool, Notion. Um, but I like to use Kanban boards. Uh, they have that in Trello as well. Airtable, I think, has it too. But basically, we have one each column or list or whatever you want to call it is a part of the process. So it might be scripting, editing, recording, um, reviewing, uh, closed captions and thumbnails. And basically, we just move things down along the line so we can work on multiple projects at once. Like if one person is done, if our producer is done with one of the videos and there's two other videos waiting for him, he can just move that one to the editor and then work on the next one. And it just works. Like everyone just gets to focus on what they need to do, but they also know exactly what's going on with the entire, I guess, editorial calendar. Uh, also, another thing is if you are working with remote teams, if you are the person who's recording the video, it pays to pay for more, for faster internet. I know it sounds weird, but uh, like my videos, the raw videos are sometimes like 120 gigs. Yeah. So that's for one video. And so this is if it's a longer video. And now we got to upload that to the cloud. And then they need to download it. So that can result in a lot of time delay. So unless you're actually working with them in person, um, which mo- probably most people are not, uh, it's, it's good to have a, a good internet connection. So basically, like by the time I'm done my work day, I just leave my computer on it. It's uploading to the cloud. By the time they log on, because they're in Europe, then it's all synced and they can download as soon as they wake up and work on whatever else until it's downloaded to the computer. And that saves a lot of time. I know it sounds silly, but it actually makes sense. A lot of sense to do that. That totally makes sense. Thanks for sharing those tips. Uh, I just want to move on to the next part of the journey, the video content creation journey. You have this video. It's perfect now. Everybody's approved it. Uploading it to YouTube. How do you think about description, tags, captions, and and screen all this stuff that YouTube provides. What do you what do you do? What is what does you and your team do for when you are actually not uploading it to YouTube? You, you filling in all the details. Yeah, so we have an SOP for for all the meta descriptions, titles, and tags, and everything. So again, the importance of SOPs. We've had three people write descriptions for us, and so and it literally takes like in like twenty minutes for them to actually figure it out. 
because they just read through the SOP, follow the instructions, and they're able to do it. So title, like I feel like YouTube, in terms of YouTube SEO, it's like Google SEO in 2008. Um, it's, it's very... Yeah, like it's not, it's quite easy. So, keyword and title, uh, keyword and description, uh, main keyword as your first tag or second tag or whatever. But tags, I don't really think matter too much. Um, tags, yes, they help create contextual relevance possibly. But um, I usually just look at the other videos that are ranking or videos that I want to get suggested views off of. And if there are ones that make sense to our video, then I'll include them. So, if we had a a link building for beginners video and somebody else was ranking number one for link building and they use link building for beginners in their tags, I'd include that. I'd include in link building, uh, probably backlinks, get backlinks, like things that are all relevant and related. Um, and then the description, we usually just summarize our video. So it adds a little bit more context as to what the video is about. And when we upload the closed captions, then I think that also helps YouTube to understand mm. what... Uh, what our videos are about. And then do, do you add end screen um, as well or like those little cards on the upper? Yes. Yeah. So usually with with end screens and cards, sometimes I will say, I highly recommend you go and watch this video. And like like when I say that, it's because like it's related, but I'm not going to expand on it now, but it will also increase session watch time. So so it's, it's a double win there. Um, and the end screen, usually at the end of a video, I'll recommend a different video to go and watch. And now that we actually have a library of videos, I can usually pick one that makes sense in context to actually go and watch that video. Um, and usually before, when you, when you can kind of tell that someone's going to end a video, a lot of people click away because they know it's coming up. So it's like, if you enjoyed this video, then make sure to like, share. And then people are like, nah, I'm good. And they just leave, right? So usually before we get to that, a card will appear that shows another video recommendation. And so that's a good place to add a card as well. Uh, another place you can add cards is after your video has been published. And let's say you've, it's been up for two, three months and you have enough data on it. You, can see, you might see certain drop-off points in the middle of the video or somewhere along the video. If you see that drop-off point, throw a card in there and maybe you'll increase your chance of actually keeping people watching different videos for longer. Sessions watch time. That's I never thought about that. That's some degree. I I don't know how to use those those uh st- those cards. So that's great. Some really great advice. So you uploaded it. It's there. Well what is the next step for the HF team? How do you make sure that it's not just your mom who watches the video? Like what is your distribution plan essentially for uh, videos on HRFs? Yeah, so in the beginning, and we still do this, is we we promoted it to our existing audience. So if you have an e- if you have email subscribers or social followers, it's good to send it out to them. So we send it out on Twitter, uh, Facebook. We upload it natively to Facebook, and um, we have an in-app notification thing inside our tool. So uh, our customers will get a notification that is not intrusive, like in their inbox or whatever. We send it to our email newsletter subscribers. Um, and yeah, that was the way that we seeded our views but when we were just starting out on YouTube. Or not when we were just starting out, when I was just starting out on YouTube. And now we have uh, changed it a bit. Because our blog gets a lot of traffic, we uh, had something custom coded that basically makes it look like the third blog post on our blog archive page is actually a video. But it looks like a blog post. So people can click that and it'll take them to YouTube where they can watch that video. Um, another thing... Um, yeah, so now that we've had our 
our subscribers, or now that we have an existing audience, a, a decent sized one, we don't really need to promote the video as much. Like even if we cut out all social and all uh, external sources like email and our blog, we would still get a ton of views because like our existing audience, even though we have a big existing audience, it doesn't contribute much to uh, our overall channel views. Like I think it's like maybe 8%. So, and that's with like a large audience. So yeah, like if you're just starting out, like start with your social followers, whatever. Um, and I would actually get more creative if I was brand new to it. And I would start trying to do collaborations with people to try and grow that channel. Um, even like outreach. So people who might be interested in watching that video and just building relationships through that and potentially promoting each other's mm, stuff. Good advice. And would you suggest uh, people ever run ads on YouTube for views or or just throwing a little bit of money into getting the initial uh, subscribers or views on the video? Yeah. So like, I, I think ads are great, but it depends how you use those ads. So a lot of people use... And like we, we did this like before. Um, so before, I think in like 2015, there was one video that had like 280,000 views from ads. But the audience retention was like 12 seconds. So for us, like we're like, I am very much not into the view count. I could care less. Uh, I'm into paying for ads for attention. So if people are going to sit there and watch that video, meaning the audience retention is decent and the watch time is decent, then I will keep paying for ads. And so a strategy that, that I've used over the past year and a half is to look at YouTube analytics, see the keywords that we're ranking for on a video by video basis. And then see what the average watch time is for that keyword. So if somebody searches for a keyword research, watches this video, how long did that person who searched for keyword research watch that video? Oh, they watched for six minutes. Great. Then I will bid on that for that keyword, keyword research, and I will promote that video. And even if we're already ranking, we now own more real estate. So now we're going to get more views that are actually engaged views of just pure attention. Like they have a question and they are... And we're going to help them solve that question. And whether they use our tools or not, like that's beyond me. I don't really care. But if they learn how to use the, if they learn how to do it and they try different free tools, they try other paid tools and they're like, you know, who is that handsome Asian man on HR's <laughs> channel? Then I'm going to go and then they can, you know, go back and watch yeah. the, the video and then perhaps try the tool. Interesting. That's very helpful. Uh, just two final questions, or I think three. The first one is, how often do you publish? Just another thing that I hear over and over again is consistency is key. Uh, what is your cadence, uh, publishing cadence right now at HRFs? And what was it before? Uh, so right now we publish bi-weekly. And that is mostly due to myself being involved in a, in a different project right now. So we're creating a, an HRF certification course. Uh, which is very, very heavy and very technical. And naturally, it takes up a lot of time. So we've switched to bi-weekly, but it's still consistent, right? And so before we were doing weekly, and the traction was better, naturally. And I think there is something to it where publishing more more frequently... Sorry. Yeah, so I think there's something to it where publishing more frequently actually plays a role. 
the only thing is, um, if you publish too frequently, you burn out your audience and people unsubscribe and people stop watching your videos. And that's not good for your channel. So yeah, right now it's bi-weekly, used to be weekly, and hopefully we're going to go to weekly or maybe twice a week. Wow, that's a lot. I know some people used to do, you know, Peter McKinnon did it daily vlogs every single day for like a month or two. It's absolutely crazy. That's a lot of time. Just second to the last question, what would be, you know, for people and businesses who are interested in doing video, what are your one or two pieces of advice for making sure that video works for their business? So video works for their business. Uh, deliver value. It's just like, I know that sounds so cliche, but it's like, like, who are you attracting? What problems are they trying to solve? And what does your product or how does your product solve that problem? And then create topics around that, right? So for us, like SEO is, is pretty easy. People like how to get backlinks. Like, okay, fine, here, this is how you get backlinks. And naturally, I use the tools. And, you know, again, like ideally, you want to make it so that, that your tools are naturally just required. It's not like they can go and find free alternatives that can do the same job. And sometimes, like, I will show those free alternatives if there are ones that do a decent job. But after people try those free alternatives, they're like, this is a waste of time. My time is worth more than this. I'd rather go and pay for a subscription. And so, yeah, like one is... And also, your product can't suck. So if your product is just bad, then go and fix that first. Like, I don't mean to, to say this in a bad way, but like, if our product was bad, it would be very, very tough to promote it. But because our product is quite good, and like I'm saying this not as an employee of Ahrefs, but I was a customer for three years prior to joining Ahrefs. And because the product is good, it, it's just really easy to show people like, hey, this is how I would do it. And it works really well. So I don't even say, go, you go and try it now too. It's just, this is how I would do it. So of course, I'm going to use Ahrefs Keywords Explorer and do this. And look, boom, Like now I have my entire list of keywords for this, this, and that. And so yeah, product first. And then create your educational material around that to solve those problems that you're that you've created that product to solve, right? Mm. Thank you for sharing those. And one final question: Where can people find out more about you? Do you want them to follow you on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, and where can people find out more about Ahrefs? Yeah, so Twitter uh, is Sam S G O H, and on YouTube you can just search for Ahrefs, and uh, yeah, and then you'll find me there. Uh, but yeah, if you have any questions, feel free to tweet at me or uh, leave a comment on one of the videos if you have a question about certain things in the content. All right, Sam, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Yep, thanks for having me. Well, that's it for this episode. As I promised, this is one of the longest episodes I've had in a while because it was so good. I kept like badgering and grilling Sam on this episode because I just curious. I want to learn. I want to apply this to my business. Talking about that. Download my free grow tree sheet. I put all the actionable tips I have from this episode in not a one, but a two page PDF because there's so much. Why take notes when you can just steal mine? You can take all the tips, apply to business and accelerate the growth of your company. Go to growtoday.fm forward slash 114 to get it now. Or you can find the link in the description. But remember, I take this cheat sheet away after I publish the next episode. So you really have only up to seven days until I publish this episode before I take it away. Now, before I end, I just want to thank those who made this episode possible. Now, this folks helped cover the 
cost of hosting and marketing tools so I can focus on getting amazing experts like Sam on the show for free so that you don't have to you pay a monthly fee to, to get this episode. Thanks to 42 Agency, they work with high-growth B2B SaaS companies, helping them build and scale revenue and marketing operations that accelerate demand generation and pipeline growth. To learn more and get $500 in free consulting time, visit them at growthtoday.fm forward slash 42. Now, please also support me. There's three easy ways you've been enjoying this podcast show for a while now. First, you can leave a review on Apple Podcasts so other people can find out more about the show. Second, you can share a quote on Twitter or LinkedIn. There are some tweetable quotes I put together in the podcast episode show for this episode. And you can also tell a friend about this podcast. This is how podcast shows grow is through word of mouth. And third, you can join the Grow Today mailing list. You'll get the cheat sheet directly emailed to you so you don't have to keep going to the website and downloading it. I'll email it to you directly. Well, that's it for this episode. Until the next one, this is your host, Ramy John. Keep safe and as always, keep on growing.